All right, welcome back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Head. I am your host, Dr. D. Today, we are talking about community and preparedness. What do the two of them have to do with each other and why it's your secret weapon? So grab yourself your favorite beverage. Let's get... We love a good beat just like everybody else. Thanks again for joining us here at the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Head. Today, it is about community and preparedness. The secret weapon that you didn't know you possessed. It costs you nothing. And it is likely the single one thing that is going to be your greatest asset when the shizzy hits the fizzy. So what is community? Well, community is really people. It's a sense of place. It's your sense of belonging. If you think of it in the physical sphere, it's spatial, but it's not geographically bounded. We traditionally may think of it as a neighborhood, but it has several types. And are there planes or spheres you can think about? Think about your faith community, right? If you're a member of a faith and you have a strong sense of faith, that community transcends geographical neighborhoods. It transcends municipal boundaries, but it's a sense of community. A service group. If you're a lifelong member of the Kiwanis, as my grandfather was, or you are a member of the Scouts Canada or... Girl Guides of Canada, or some type of community group, it transcends typical standard neighborhood and geographical boundaries. Or you could look at a sense of community as a geographical boundary. Think your neighborhood, right? I live in Ottawa. I'm not going to tell you the suburb, but I live in the West End of Ottawa. So we go by that name. We we're, we live in X, right? So say you live in Vanier, right? I live in, I don't just live in Ottawa. I live in Vanier or I might live in a certain part of Vanier that has a nickname, right? It's a sense of place. I say that with sometimes a bit of joke, but sometimes a bit of love. It's my home. It's where I draw back to. It's where I feel comfortable. It's where my family is. And then if you look at that as your sense and idea of what community is, it's a sense of preparedness. Think about preparedness as the totality of your attitude and actions that empower you to navigate and thrive in exogenous shocks. And remember when we talk about thriving in preparedness, it's all about your ability to navigate the exogenous shock with little to no impact on what you do. For example, I am a podcaster. I require power and I require the internet. If I'm hit with an exogenous shock and power is no longer available, I can still record and release the podcast. Why? Because I've taken the necessary steps through my preparedness plan to ensure that certain exogenous shocks, when they happen, they have little or no impact on how I achieve my goals, how I chase my dreams, how I live my life, that I mit that blanket of insulation between myself, my family, and the exogenous shock and preparedness takes the hit. So preparedness is first you. And we talk about this relentlessly on this podcast, because if you don't take care of number one, you're not much good to anybody else. And I don't give a crap what you have piled in your basement. If you don't take care of yourself as a human being, you're not going to last 20 minutes when the real shizzy hits the fizzy, or you're going to not last more than three or four days of uncomfortableness 
if you don't have yourself sorted out. So physical, mental, and financial health, sort that out. And then your family, for whom you're responsible for, defining that. That's not going to be geographically limited to your house, likely. In today's modern society, how we each individually define family is different. It's probably multi-generational and it's probably multi-location, right? Uh, And then we talk about your shelter in place plan. And then we talk about your trifecta of plans that we recommend here at Inside My Canoe Head and Preparedness Labs that you should have a plan for the most dangerous, the most likely, and financial significant impact. So that would be your main primary source of income going away. I don't care what the reason is, to be frank. Either the building burnt down or you're a jerk and you got fired or some combination of both. It doesn't matter. Have a plan for when you wake up tomorrow morning and what you did for a source of income is no longer available to you. You're a pilot, right? And all of a sudden you have a shock to you, you have glaucoma or something in your eyes and you can no longer fly. What's your plan? That's a financial plan, right? But if we understand preparedness in its totality, it is about achieving better outcomes. Everything that is done in the preparedness pillar of emergency management is all about facilitating better post-event outcomes. Bounce back better. You've heard about that phrase, but it's really about doing everything you can to ensure that your post-event outcome is better. So when we talk about community, let's talk about evidence. Evidence shows us that better outcomes post-event are the direct result. They are correlated to the strength of social connections at the micro level and across power barriers. And this is based upon the theory of social capital. Now, I am a nerd. Uh, As you know, Dr. D, I have a PhD in public policy, and I wrote that PhD on social capital, the strength of connectiveness in communities, right? So social capital is your potential resources that rest in the relationships and your network. So if you think for a second about all of the people that you know, both in your family, outside your family. You think about the community groups that you belong to. You think about the faith groups that we talked about previously. And if you look at that as a mesh network and you put yourself in the middle of that network, right? That network represents every connection you have. And then if you go out one more bound, as we say in the army, one more tactical bound, now you look at, I'm connected to Tim But Tim is connected to a whole series of people, and I'm now connected to those people because I'm connected to Tim. And if you could just visualize that as a mesh network of hundreds, if not thousands of people that all have some different type of resources, and now they represent potential access to those resources in times of need, simply because of your human relationships. Now, when we talk about social capital in preparedness, we talk about three different types. The first one is bonding. Now, bonding social capital is that which you, your close people you love, those family members. You ever heard that phrase, who am I going to call at three o'clock in the morning? Those people, that list, those people that you trust 
and enthusiastically trust with your most secret information, etc. That's your bonding. Those are your trusted people. You call them and they will down tools whenever they're doing and they will come to help you. Bridging social capital is those people who have two feet in two different ponds. So if you think about I'm the member of a faith community. Say, for example, I'm a member of a local Baptist church. So I have strong, trusted relationships with people inside the Baptist church. But I'm also a member of my neighborhood association. And I have strong bonds with the people in a neighborhood association as we try to grow and improve our neighborhood. That's bridging social capital because I represent the bridge between the Baptist community and the neighborhood community. Now, they may be more than me, but I represent a bridge. So you can see that connectedness between two networks, that bridge between two networks throws through me and I become the bridge. And the last one is linking social capital. And I'll get to why this is important in a moment. Linking social capital is those powerful relationships that exist across a power barrier. So does your neighborhood association have a strong relationship with your local counselor? with your local municipal government, right? Municipal governments hold the power to make impactful decisions in your neighborhood. What is the state of the relationship between your neighborhood association or your neighborhood in general and the the municipal government, right? So when we look at preparedness, let's take it one step further. What's the current relationship between your neighborhood association and the local emergency management office? Does it even exist? Do you do you know that each other even is alive or on the face of this earth, right? That's linking social capital. And that's super important because when we look at evidence versus opinion, and this is something that I get on a soapbox on periodically, and I often have to be asked to step down because I get a little too passionate. You come across people are in the world and the difference between evidence opinion is I'm a researcher, right? So I look for evidence. I look for things that demonstrate to me what is likely to be true. And the difference can simply be said is what we know is likely to be true versus what we believe to be true, right? I don't care what your opinion is. I might find it interesting to listen to it, but I want to know the evidence, right? You believe this this statement to be true, I want to see the evidence behind it, right? I don't care what you believe, and it's not an insult. This is, as a researcher, I look for the evidence. So when I look for if we understand preparedness to be about better outcomes, the whole purpose of this preparedness uh, endeavor that we're all under is about having better outcomes post-event. If we believe that to be true, what is the evidence that shows us what specific actions do we have that we have seen in the past and have evidence to demonstrate that if I do these actions or if I adopt this attitude, I will have a better post-event outcome. That's evidence, right? Not what you believe to be true, not what some YouTuber showed you, not what some apocalyptic guy said on on some social media channels about the top 10 things which you have, but what does evidence show us and how do we do that? And this is important, a bit nerdy, but worth a couple of sips of your coffee, right? We study as researchers post-event. 
right? So we look at places where calamities have struck. The same calamity struck a number of different neighborhoods, right? And then we look at the outcomes of the neighborhood and we see certain types of neighborhoods. So not just the physical neighborhoods, but the spatial neighborhoods. We look at the faith communities. We look at the service communities. We look at the neighborhood associations. We look at all the social connectedness and the social capital and the networks that exist within a community. And we look at which ones came out better, which ones bounce back better, which ones bounce back faster. So we research this, not what you think happened, but what actually happened. And then we say, okay, we've been able to identify a faith group that whose entire community went through the same event. But for some unknown reason at this time, members of this faith community bounce back better. Their outcomes were better. And we measure those outcomes about they occupy their homes faster, they're back at work faster, their employment is back up, their community organizations are up and running, their schools. Like we have a whole bunch of certain measures that we determine is what is a better outcome, right? So it's return to normalcy. How fast does this, na- this community, this social network that we're Id- identified, how fast do they return to normal? Pre-event normal. What, what the world looked like before the big bad day, before the shizzy hit the fizzy, how did they do that? That's the question. So what differentiates them from everybody around them? What did they do differently? So we look at demographics, we look at age, we look at culture, we look at income, because a lot of times people believe rich people bounce back better, and they don't. I'm here to tell you, money has no impact whatsoever on whether you bounce back better. And you may laugh at me, but I'm telling you, I don't care what you think. This is what the evidence shows us. What the evidence shows us is from studies from 100 years ago to studies to 20 years ago on earthquakes in Japan, Southeast Asia, North America, Katrina, Andrew, uh, Sandy, all these hurricanes that Fiona that hit, the studies are underway in Canada for Hurricane Fiona, Irma, uh, you look at all the hurricanes in the East Coast, you look at the earthquakes and the Ring of Fire. We've studied it for over 100 years. Communities with strong social capital bounce back better. Full stop. It doesn't matter whether it's a rich community. It doesn't matter whether it's a poor community. It doesn't matter whether it's subsistence li- lifestyle or people living on the beach in million dollar homes. What mattered and made a difference is their sense of community, their sense of belonging, right? Where they want to be. And I'll give you a fine example of this. If you think all the way back to Hurricane Katrina and what a cluster F the government response to that was, when they finally brought in these FEMA trailers and they evacuated neighborhoods, right? And they put all these trailers together, there was one neighborhood from one and it was a it was a less than affluent area of uh, uh, New Orleans. I almost forgot for a second of New Orleans. The families moved into the FEMA trailers in the same order that they lived on the street. So the Joneses were next to the Smiths, was next to Muhammad and his family, was next to Ibrahim and his family. Right, the same order that the houses were on the street is the same order people occupied their FEMA trailers, and they did this because that's how they wanted to live. That was their sense of place. And why do they build back better? Right, because they have that linking social capital. Because they've built strong, powerful relationships with the municipality, which means they have the ability 
to call for the reconstruction of community spaces. And what I mean about community spaces, we call this social infrastructure, right? And there's a lot of great literature that's come out in the last little bit about this. So people bounce back and return to their communities because the businesses are up and running and because the schools are up and running and because the community centers are up and running, right? The insurance companies will take care in some ridiculously slow way of the buildings. But what matters is how fast the municipality gets back and starts to build the social infrastructure, the parks, the community centers, the outdoor rinks. All of these things matter. And linking social capital, your community's powerful relationship with the community or with the municipal government gets those built back faster, right? your bridging, your desire to have your community reinstated as fast as possible and as it was. And it's phenomenal to look at the research and look at communities that had that strong sense of place, that sense of belonging and event occurs. They are the ones that are getting built back faster because they have those relationships. They're getting the community center. They know that if you're just worried about your house, right? You can build a house anywhere, right? If all you're worried about is getting your house replaced after it's burned down from a wildfire, you, you, can, you can go live anywhere, right? You, you, home is where your family is. I get that. But when you have a sense of community, your number one thought is, how do we get the school up and running? How do we get the mom and pa businesses rebuilt? How do we get the park reopened? How do we get the uh, community center back up and running. That's what you're worried about when you have a strong sense of community. And because those are built faster and at a greater rate than all of your neighboring communities because of your power and your relationships, that's what happens, right? Strong, connected communities that have strong bonds with their local government, they get a disproportionate amount of resources, not based on income, but strength of relationships. So what do you do? If we understand this relationship between community and preparedness, what do you do? Well, the first thing is to meet your neighbor, right? We live in an individualistic society right now. I grew up in a community. Now we live in an individualistic society. Meet your neighbor. Those people in your immediate vicinity will be the first responders in an emergency. Not the lights and sirens, wee, woo, wee, woo. Those are great people. They will eventually show up. I get it. But the people to help you in the immediacy after an event will be your neighbors. Build those relationships ahead of time. Join a community organization. Build community centers. It's what I tell emergency managers all the time when I work with them either in a research or on a contractual consultant basis is if you want to improve the preparedness of your community, the first thing you need to do is build community centers, right? Because when you build community centers, you build spaces for people to gather. People get together. You fund programming there. That's the most important thing you can do for preparedness. It's not handing out kits. It's not handing out radios. It's not having glitzy preparedness week campaigns. It's building freaking community centers. If you want to follow the evidence, not what you think will work, but what we know will work, it's community centers. Get people together. Build a sense of community because what that does is that creates a desire to return, a desire to come back to this location, which means people will make personal and time investments 
in the community to make it a better place. And by making it a better place, you go back to my definition of preparedness. It's the totality of your attitude and actions. It's not money you spend. It's not stockpiles in your basement. It's not kit and equipment that you have ready for go bag or get home bag or whatever the heck else you may call that. Um, It's about your sense of relationship. And if you really want to think about why this is important, I'll give you one last stat here. Think about the ratio of first responders to population. Now, if there's a small event, a house fire, the fire department will be there. The police will garden off the road. Yeah, it'll be really cool. Everybody's get it. But if we talk about a significant event that happens in a community, right? a significant event, you're looking at most urban areas of a ratio of about 5,000 to 5,500 per to one is a ratio between active on-duty emergency man, emergency management staff uh, and first responders on a per capita basis, right? Think about that. If you're lucky enough to be standing next to a fire truck when the calamity happens, or you're lucky enough to be standing next to a police officer when something happens, great. But the odds of you being rescued by wee-woo-wee-woo flashing lights is slim to really slim, right? And your 911 call may be answered. There may be somebody on the other end, and there may actually be you may actually be put in a, a list and, and you know what, you, you're having a heart attack. We're sorry for that. Here's, we're going to try to walk you through what you should do. You're number 412 for the ambulance. We think tomorrow afternoon, somebody may be there. That's not an unrealistic scenario. I live in the city of Ottawa. We hit code zero, code black for some places, um, over 300 times a year where you call 911 and irrespective of your medical emergency, there is no ambulance available to help you. Now they will talk you through it. And if they can get a fire truck to you, if they think that will help, they will do it. Great. But the expectation that you have that every time you call for an emergency, that the government will be there to rescue your butt is an unrealistic and exceptionally dangerous idea that you rest your rescue and your future outcomes with a dial tone that sad magically irrespective of what's happening anywhere else in your town city or otherwise that when you make that call somebody will come hop skip and a jump to help you that is a low probability high risk idea and so here at inside my canoe and preparedness labs incorporated we very much encourage you to be an active strong and loud and proud member of your community identify with a group get to know that group get together build a sense of place and a sense of belonging it matters it makes a difference that's what the evidence tells us and the evidence doesn't lie again i'm a researcher i appreciate the fact that you have an opinion on what you think the number five top five things to do in preparedness is i'm here to tell you what the evidence actually says, what we know that is likely to lead to better outcomes, right? What we've studied when we look at a hundred years of significant emergencies and significant disasters that have happened around the world. And then we look at neighborhoods and we look at groups of people who bounce back better. We looked at what differentiated them from demographics to actions, who does who they are mattered or does what they did mattered? 
And we look at both of those. And when you run statistical analysis on it, you start to see there are a couple of key things that emerge. And number one, and today's idea on the podcast, if you take nothing else from thank you from getting this far, is that it's your sense of community is the number one secret weapon. And I have a many blog posts out there on preparednesslabs.ca about social capital is your true emergency kit, right? I lead a special interest group on the International Social Capital Association. We are an eclectic group of researchers and practitioners from around the world who study disaster resilience through the lens of social capital, right? Social capital is the underlying pinning of our education system that we built at Preparedness Labs Incorporated that we have out in our two books, the second of which is undergoing proof right now for paper publication. I've heard it from a lot of people that said, great, we love the fact that you got eBooks. We hate eBooks. We want paper books. Fantastic. I've got the proof here in the house. We're doing some fine touches up to it. And by the end of this week, in the next four days, preparedness thoughts from Canada, collection of four year of blogs, writings, musings, and ideas in preparedness will be available in paperback from Amazon. The link is going to be on our website at preparednesslabs.ca. Give us a couple of days. Let's call it. Give us till the 15th of December before it goes live. And that will be available for you for $29. Uh, the ebook is $7. It's the difference in uh, contract pricing and percentage uh, that I get from Amazon. We love Amazon. It is what it is. It is a great distribution. Support independent people on Amazon. And in the end, in the end, if you like what you hear at Inside My Canoe Head and you don't want to buy one of our books, go over and sign up for our newsletter at preparednesslabs.ca. We send it out every Wednesday. A uh, little blog, little story, little something about preparedness to give you some neat individual ideas that you'll only hear on the newsletter. And if this is your favorite podcast, go over and drop us a like on your favorite platform. And if you're exceptionally generous in this wonderful holiday season, there is a button on our InsideMyCanoeHead.ca website that says, buy me a coffee, insert Java here. It takes you to a site where you're able to spend $5 and buy me a coffee because I am fueled by wonderful, simple, black coffee. So thanks again for joining us today on Inside My Canoe Head. Get out there. Build your positive relationships. Create a sense of community and belonging. Remember, preparedness is free. It has nothing to do with money, but you are going to expend your most valuable resource, which is time. You're going to put the world in a frame of preparedness. You're going to wrap yourself in a blanket of preparedness. And without spending a freaking penny, you are going to learn to rock an incredible life. So thanks again for joining us. Take care and stay safe.